0: Hello, fellow rebel capitals, hope you're well. So I've got something counterintuitive for you. Higher interest rates actually creates higher consumer prices, i.e. inflation. Let's go right over to YouTube, and I wanna highly recommend you guys checking this out when you get some time. This is a podcast, you can find it on iTunes or Stitcher. This is from BlockWorks. And uh, Jack Farley runs this. He's always got some, uh, or usually he's got great interviews. So I'd highly recommend subscribing to his channel or subscribing to his podcast on iTunes. And he just interviewed Warren Mosler. Now, most of you know that Warren is kind of the the godfather, if you will, of MMT. And what's really interesting about MMT is uh, I, I can't speak for Kelton because I haven't read her stuff in quite some time. But as far as Mosler goes, I don't know of anyone who gets the Fed's balance sheet more than he does. I mean there's some people that understand it as well, but I mean he is spot on when it comes to understanding the Fed's balance sheet. But then <laughs> he, he in other areas it it's like he completely derails. Um now, I'm not going to say that a lot of the policy prescriptions that are suggested by Kelton, Mosler would agree with. I don't know. I've never talked to the guy. Um, but some of the ideas that he has are actually fascinating. And I think they're uh well worth listening to. And you can't you can't dismiss Warren. Uh I think you can dismiss Kelton a lot easier because of her policy prescriptions. But as far as Mosler, uh, I mean, you've got to give him credit where credit is due. He really understands the Fed's balance sheet. But what's, again, what's interesting to me is he understands the nuance of the plumbing so well when it involves the Fed and another counterparty, like the Treasury, you know, the TGA, something like that, or the asset side of the bank's balance sheet. But then he completely (laughs) omits the bank's balance sheets. And I think he, and I don't, I, again, I'm completely speculating here, but I think he might do this because he doesn't really see the dollars that are created by the banking system as actual money or even as quote unquote currency because it's debt-based. And I think he he just kind of sets that in his own, in a bucket kind of forgets about it because he's like, well, if there's dollars being created that are loaned into existence, then it's, it's when you look at the balance sheet. Or when you look at accounting, they're just, I don't know what you'd call that technical like gap accounting terms, but you're just adding an asset and you're adding a liability. So they net out at the end of the day, or those dollars that are created, they just create dollar demand in the future. So we just don't have to pay any attention to those things because again, when you look at the balance sheet, they just net each other out. Whereas if the Fed creates bank reserves or if the Fed creates green pieces of paper, or you know, go back to the civil war part of the Fed, if the government creates these green pieces of paper, well, t- technically they're an asset, but really the greenbacks weren't because they weren't backed by gold. So they, they 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 weren't someone else's liability. Um, So that was really just an asset to where it wasn't the bank's balance sheet where the two transactions would net each other out. Meaning the the loan that was created on the asset side of the balance sheet, wouldn't net out the dollars that were just created on the asset side of the balance. So again, I don't want to put words into his mouth, but I think that's why he really gets like super fixated on the Fed's balance sheet and on base money, if you will, and really kind of ignores uh, from what I've seen. And now maybe I haven't seen all this stuff, but he really kind of ignores uh, what we'd consider broad money, if you will. But one of the uh, fascinating discussions or ideas that he has in this interview with Jack is this idea that higher inflation, excuse me, that higher interest rates actually cause inflation. So this seems very counterintuitive, but um, he's got some good rationale here. So he uses the example of Japan because they've got, let's just say 250% debt to GDP. That's a lot of JGBs that are out there on the balance sheets of the 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 non-government agencies outside of the BOJ. So if they were to raise rates by let's just say 5%. Well, what that would mean is that those holders of all those JGBs outside of the Bank of Japan would be getting a massive stimulus check. Right? Because the amount of interest they would receive would go to infinity and be, it, would go, it would go straight up. At least the people that were holding the new uh, JGBs that were being issued to pay off the old JGBs that were maturing. You know, if you've got a current JGB that's a 30 year, let's say, uh, you know, obviously your interest rate isn't increasing. Therefore your purchasing power isn't increasing. But uh, for those JGBs that are maturing, they're issuing more debt. And that more debt that, that those, um, those new JGBs are at a 5% interest rate. Those go into the balance sheet, and that means there's a lot more purchasing power. Hey, guys. I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as forward slash pro that's georgegammon.com forward slash pro we'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level now what would happen if you're taking this out of taxes then it would be a net wash but he's assuming that this is happening with the the deficit spending right and then you say, OK, George, well, if it's happening through deficit spending, it's still taking dollars out of the system, assuming the central bank isn't monetizing this, uh, because those dollars are being sucked into, let's just say the TGA. We'll use the the Fed's balance sheet as an example here. Those dollars are being sucked into the TGA or those bank reserves. Where are they coming from? Uh, well, they're coming from the people or the entities outside of the government that are buying these T-bills, and therefore, you're actually reducing M2 money supply just like you would if it was taxes, so on net balance to wash. And here's where, I don't know that they get into it in this uh, discussion, but you, you've got to put on your, your thinking cap here, your, your nuance cap, and this is one thing I really like about listening to Mosler. If you, and I don't know if this is his idea, but in, in, uh, in theory, this is how it works, when you are selling T-bills, when Janet Yellen is selling T-bills, it is true that, let's say, the average Joe is swapping savings for those T-bills, so M2 money supply goes down. But has the overall, uh, M2, has the overall assets of the private sector, in this case, the non-bank entities, have they decreased? The answer is no because all he's done is swap savings for T-bills, sells the same amount of assets and basically cash equivalents, right? So then what happens is Jen Elon takes those uh, bank reserves, then spends them back into the co- into the economy by sending them to a commercial bank. And then they uh, credit the account of another average Joe or the average Jane, let's say. And then the average Jane th- gets that money through social security payments. She goes out, spends it. Okay, now that's circulating in the economy. So, on net balance through that whole circle, M2 money supply hasn't changed, but we have an additional T-bill treasury where we didn't have one before. So, what we've done effectively is we have taken savings, we've taken currency units from a savings account, and we have replaced it with a T-bill, but we've just taken that savings account money and turned it into checking account money so if you were to take let's say all of the savings money that we have right now and I don't know what it is right off the top of my head but let's just say it's five trillion and let's just say that uh, the entities in the real economy or in the financial economy took all of the savings five trillion and bought T bills with it okay well they would turn those uh, those checking excuse me savings dollars into checking account dollars. And you have the same amount of M2 money supply. But what would happen to inflation? <laughs> inflation would rip higher. So this is a very, uh, like I said, it's a very interesting idea. And I like it because you're really getting into the nuance. And that's fun for me. But what Mosler to get omits, and I need to listen to the whole thing. So may- maybe uh, he talks about it later on in the interview is the fact that if you raise rates, well, now there's likely going to be uh, less bank lending. Now, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, right? Because you could say, well, George, if the in- if interest rates are increasing, that means money, it's actually loose, not tight, it's opposite. Remember the interest rate fallacy that Snyder always talks about, that Milton Friedman was talking about way back in the 1950s. And I believe that uh, economists... Oh, I can't recall his name, but he was even talking about it in the 1920s and the 1930s. I think his name is Newt Wenzel. Snyder was talking about it at his presentation at Rebel Capitalist Live. But regardless, uh, so you could say that, all right, well, if they're increasing interest rates, then, they are, uh, then that might mean that uh, money is very loose. And, and that's true. But just raising the Fed funds rate itself likely if uh, the 10-year is actually going down, you know, like we've seen lately, the 10-year still pegged at pretty much 3.5%, that the Fed funds raises rates. Okay, well, that's most likely going to uh, reduce to a certain degree some bank lending. And you're going to have increased counterparty risk, which is going to reduce uh, liquidity. The banks are going to tighten up, basically like the regionals what we've seen, and therefore there's less loans, especially short-term being um, issued to companies like uh, real estate the businesses that are building uh, multifamily housing, let's say. So you actually have, uh, if loans and leases are going down, then you have M2 money supply actually contracting at a time when you would have this, uh, this counterbalance like Mosler is saying, where you'd be taking savings and turning it into checking. And that would have more purchasing power and those currency units would be spent with more velocity. But there again, like I said, you've got the asset side of the aggregate balance sheet decreasing because M2 money supply or even deposits going down because there's more loans being paid back than are being issued to begin with by the commercial banking system. So if you look at it just with um, kind of tunnel vision with just the Fed's balance sheet getting hyper-focused there. Yeah, you could totally see how increased interest rates could uh, lead to higher consumer price inflation. But then when you combine that with a complete picture of the whole monetary system, you see that, yeah, this would happen over here. It's definitely a variable, but would it overwhelm the other variable Of potentially loans and leases going down, and therefore having, uh, let's just call it deflationary money, to use a term from Snyder. So let's just say you've got the banking system crumbling over here, and you've got liquidity, just a liquidity crisis, quite frankly. But at the same time, you've got interest rates rising over here. Well, which one would win? And I would argue that the uh, deflationary money or the banking system collapsing would actually win and that would be a stronger cross current than this other cross current of just simply higher interest rates increasing some uh purchasing power of those entities that have the checking accounts that would have a higher propensity to spend you see but this is just a listening to this interview is fantastic on many levels many levels First and foremost, you really get a a good understanding as to the plumbing behind the Fed's balance sheet. Uh, Mosler just absolutely pegs it. And then you really start to understand how important nuance is with these discussions. And then finally, it gives you a way to kind of exercise your thinking almost. It gives you like a mental exercise To where you can start to see how important, not just nuances, but all these cross currents. It gives you an appreciation for the fact that when we're talking about inflation, deflation, the dollar going up, the dollar going down, or whatever it is, that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of variables. And what people do is they tend to fixate on just one thing. And say, well, the Fed's printing money, therefore, there has to be inflation. And they completely omit everything else as though that doesn't matter. And then the people that are, let's say, talking about deflation are, are, get f- fixated on one thing over here, and then they forget about everything else. And then they just bicker back and forth, <laughs> right? It's just like, the, like a, the minimum wage argument as an example. Instead of just saying, okay, I acknowledge what you're saying, you are correct, and so are you you're correct. Now, what we need to do is understand that there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs like Thomas Sowell teaches us. And once we understand that we're just dealing with trade-offs and we're not dealing with solutions, then you do that cost benefit analysis, or you just look at it as cross currents, like I always do. And then you can attach some probabilities, to the most likely outcome. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism, and definitely check out uh, Jack's podcast, um, Forward Guidance is what it's called, and check out his YouTube channel. And if you've got some time, I highly suggest listening to that interview with Warren Mosler. Whatever you do, don't just say, oh, MMT, uh, uh, dismiss this. Oh, it's not even worth my time. Wrong. Uh, This is not only worth your time, But I think uh, this would give you even more insights than listening to just your typical person talk about gold or commodities or what have you. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. See you on the next video.